Hello and welcome to episode 296 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew V. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm, I'm, well, you know, it's an outrage. Why are you outraged? Uh, no, I don't know. I think, I think, I think the media got to me. Controversy. Yes, controversy. Um... Outrage, story, the big story, the big, the big story, yes, the big, the big story. story, big story, yeah. I yeah. um, uh, no, I'm trying to conflate a big story. I can't think of one. Yeah, there's like, I, I like to take events that are happening and turn them into something that they're not, big and times. then then try and build something around that. And if something hasn't actually happened, I just make up a fake scenario and just gibber on about that for five minutes. That, that's always a good plan. Look, I think the big story that I can take out of today is um, my daughter. She she wanted some uh, she wanted some nuggets from Maccas. Yes, as some people do. Yeah, Jack Bird, huge fan. Um, so we get there and we got the you know we got the the nuggets, and as we're driving off, no tomato sauce. Well, fucking saga. No, I mean like she was fine. She didn't care. She just went, eh, I just eat chicken yeah. nuggets. But you know, it's a fucking saga. A triple C. Oh, mate. Uh, this shit wouldn't happen on Hungry Jacks. No. No, it wouldn't. Uh, so, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of anything I could conflate into a big story that happened in my day. Um, I'd just like to say that this is probably the only podcast that has used the word conflate three times within the first minute. <laughs> yeah, conflate. I don't think I ever say the word conflate normally, hey? No. We're now up to six times we've said conflate. Yeah. I'm not going to stop counting the times we've said conflate now. Conflate. Yeah, it's starting to sound weird. Yeah. Usually we're dropping the other C word, but there you go. Yeah, we don't, we don't say can't anymore on the podcast. No, 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 we've moved on from that. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I watching the footy this weekend, and it's funny because there were some really good games, interesting games, and then, like, the commentary teams and the, the halftime teams and stuff, they were carrying on like a bunch of cunts, Andrew. It was some, um, well, you know, for some reason, this is a bit that I find amusing, okay, about yeah. it all, is this started last year. Yeah. Is at halftime of every game and at the end of every game, especially when you've got Saturday and Sunday, you've got another game coming up. Mm-hmm. There was always, like, we've got breaking news or we've got some big thing or something's developing or some sort of major story. I think you don't need to try and keep us attached to the TV Mm-hmm. We're a captured audience. Mm-hmm. We are fish in a barrel. Yes. So you don't need to sell shit to us. We're already tuned in and we're not going anywhere because we're rugby league fans. So just, you know, scale it back a bit. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting because, like, there was a game today I was watching and the co-commentator for the main commentator told the co-commentator to calm down. And, like, when you're a main commentator, that you kind of want to build yourself up with the game. But this co-commentator was, like, saying, just calm down, you know, because they were running away with themselves. <laughs> and it's like, that's where we're at now. And as yeah. you say, like, everything is, ad- we've got a developing story. And it turns out that, you know, one of the players, 
you know, might have. I don't know. Just, yeah, the, the co- a coach was really interesting. Yeah, a coach Ever. wasn't happy. Like Ricky Stewart has a. He's angry in his press conference. You go, well, he's angry all the fucking time. Why is that yeah. developing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and it just it's. It's weird because you watch a footy game. Like the best example was that South versus Tigers game, and George Burgess. Uh, no, it was Thomas Burgess. Thomas yeah. Burgess does an amazing run, and he scores a try. But from where he'd scored the try, you couldn't see if he'd actually got it down. And I thought the referee did really well. He was about to award the try, but then he saw play had kind of continued on, and allowed it to continue on. And the Tigers took it to the other end of the field and, you know, touched the ball down. And so he went to the video replay to see if the original try had been scored. Turned out it had been. And that's the game. It's game over. Yeah. And then straight after, like, they go straight to the studio and Michael Ennis is calling it a controversial end to the game. And it's like, that's not that's not what a controversial end to a game is. That was just an end to the game that was exciting. It was fun. I've never seen anything like that before, but it wasn't controversial. No, I tell you what, though. It did highlight the need to put a little bit more information on the big screen when they announced try or no try. Because when that try was scored, so what happened is Burgess put the ball down. His hand's on the side of the ball as he's planted it down, so they didn't know whether it was bounced or not because it's come free after he's planted it. Yeah. And Luke Brooks picked it up and ran the other end and scored. And so the screen comes up after the after the uh, bunkers are looking at it. It says try, and I'm like, yeah, we know it's a try. Who the fuck to? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> never even that. <laughs> oh, that's great. So the roof goes, yeah, it's a try. And everyone's here going, we know. Yeah. Just try. <laughs> I had somebody on Twitter say to me that... Um, Oh, it was only a try to Burgess because they slowed it down and frame phrased, uh, freeze framed it at the point where it looked like he had actually scored a try. Yeah, and I was good myself point. like, yes, that's exactly what they did. Like that's the yeah, that's the point. Yes, you are right. That's exactly what has to happen. That's fucking weird. People. Are um, weird. I think I I tweeted after that game. I said uh, when that happened, I said, "Fuck this." That ending was hilarious. It was. It was because yeah. I, I tell you what, if in the in the the five seconds after he scored, like Burgess scored that try, and you realised play was continuing on, in that five seconds, you'd have put all of your money on the fact that he knocked it on, right? Absolutely, <laughs> and I had to. I was like, he's fucked it up, and they're gonna score and win. <laughs> Turned it out he hadn't fucked it up. As but soon as anyway. I saw him slow it down the very first time, yeah. when I saw that his hand was still on the ball when it granted, I went, yep, that's a try. Yeah. And they went to Madge in the in the uh, coach's box, and he, he saw exactly the same thing and put his hands on his head and went, yeah, had that, ah, oh, fuck, sort of expression on his face. Yeah. Everyone else was still going, oh, is it a try? We have to look at another angle. I went, no, nah, it's clearly a try. Like, how is that debatable? Yeah. Um, to a, the other thing to come out of that game, and I think some people have got the wrong impression about me a little bit on this one, is I was quite critical of an incident by Latrell Mitchell where he's lashed out with his boot at uh, Luke Garner when he was on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it did look to me as if Latrell was trying to kick him in the face or kick him somewhere Mm. um, because it was quite a deliberate act Mm. um, and quite a bit of a lashing out. And I just said, quite a bit of a dick move by Latrell. He's better than that. Yeah. I just want to say, 
if you know if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that a I have absolutely no issue whatsoever laying into my side. I'm as far away from being a parochial supporter as you will get yeah. of my club, and I have not yet once criticised anything Latrell Mitchell's done. I've been one of his biggest supporters, so this is not coming from a biased viewpoint in either direction. Yeah, but I think that 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 kick that he did it was like a mule kick. Because mm. um, it looks like the side of his leg brushed Garner on the face. It's not done anything to, to Garner. It's basically missed entirely. Mm. Um, but that's... I think we need to start looking at whether we should, you know, give points deduction, not a full suspension, because there's been no contact. So you can't charge him for striking. But maybe we can take 50, 60, 70 points off them so that it means they're going to be much more likely to get suspended for the next act that they do on a field that might be even minor. So it's just enough to play in the back of your mind to go, don't be a dickhead, you know, because this could lead to a suspension down the line. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's going to get three or four weeks for that late hit on Nofaluma after he kicked, which was, I wouldn't, I looked at that and I thought, I don't think it was intentional. I think what it was was sloppy. Very lazy because at the point of contact, he's not even looking at Nofaluma. He's just put his arms up like a, you know, like when you're doing a bumper sort of thing. And yeah. Nofaluma's sort of falling a little bit into it. And he's just hit him high um, and not really paid attention. I'd call it reckless and lazy. Um, I think probably three weeks for the two is that it's combined would be fair enough. Mm-hmm. But three for that alone, I'm, I'm not sure. See, Tyrone who's a follower of mine on Twitter. He he brought this up and he said that uh, you had a different opinion from me on uh, on the incidents, basically. Mm-hmm. I think there was nothing in both of them. I think it's play on. I've got no problems with either of them. And I'll tell you why. I think that the, the kicking one, I think he just was trying to get back into the line because keep in mind, he's the fullback. So, It wasn't even about getting just into the line. Like, he's got to get back to fullback. And I think it's just one of those things where you you take a step and then his left leg, I think it was, that looked like he kicked out with, it's still being held onto. So as he's going to do a step, it's sort of his leg is going to go back because he's trying to pull it forward, but it's back. And I I just, I didn't think there was anything at all in that. Like, nothing. Because I... Had seen people saying, "Oh, he's you know he's lashed out with his leg," and I was like, "Oh man!" Looked at the TV because I was a bit distracted at that time, and and there was just nothing in it. I thought, "What are people going on about?" And then I I kind of agree with you on the other incident. I, I think he was just bracing himself, not even looking at the ball that had gone behind him, and it was just two players collided. The, I you know it was an intentional. It, it was just a collision between two players that the ball had passed them both by. And I thought there was nothing in that either. Like I was kind of shocked that he got um, a charge. Cause, Cause he's made contact with the head though. He's going to have to be suspended. I mean, that's just the way the thing is, the game is now. And that's the way the, the judiciary works now. He's made contact with the head. It's, it's sloppy. He's going to have to be suspended for that. That's just the way it'll be. See, and I don't understand why we're doing that. Like if there's, what is the, what is the reason for suspending somebody when it's just like, you know, it's, it's not like he was reckless. 
if he's reckless, I understand. You suspend someone and it's like a lesson. But when it's just like an accidental collision between two players that the ball's gone and, you know, th- I mean, they were kind of looking, in, he was looking in, like behind him almost. I, I don't see what any sort of suspension would do for him or for the other player. I, I just think it was... Well, it's, you know, I think it's because now, um, you know, the the head is sacred, so to speak, in rugby league. You don't go and you don't go and hit it because you know a head can't put arms up to protect it when the hands are busy, so it's constantly exposed. So and we know the impacts of CT and stuff like that. So it's you know I think it's just one of those common things. You know, you you just don't strike the head. I mean, we saw it in the game today where um, Valentine home sidestepped. One of those Bulldogs players, I've got his name. Hetherington. Hetherington. And oh Hetherington flung his arm out. It was an old-fashioned coat hanger, and he got marched straight away. Yeah. Um, I don't think... I'm confident saying I don't think Hetherington had any intention of hitting Holmes around the head like he did. So you could say that that was an accidental act by Hetherington, but you can't, you can't allow that to stay. You can't allow that to go unpunished. And it's the same with Luttrell, you know, he's... You, you just can't go up and do that. You know, even that's an, an accident and stuff like that. You you just can't but, do that. But with Hetherington, I can say it's reckless, right, for two reasons. Number one, he's got form. He's one of those players that is going to give away dumb penalties and do stupid shit like that. And, like, if somebody steps you and you fling your arm straight out and it's at their head height, like, that is reckless, right? And it was. It was like an old-fashioned coat hanger. It was... Oh, it reminded me of the good old days. <laughs> I remember the good old days. But um, when, you, when you could give people absolute, you know, <laughs> brain brain issues for the rest of their lives, and it was just play on. Yeah, when yeah, you know the, the old days, halfback was having a good game, and you just take his head off and you just pick uh, him up and drive him headfirst into the ground. Back yeah. when the speed tackles were legal, that was fine. Yeah. Good, good old days, gross. the good old days. Yeah, just, um, just jog it off, mate. Yeah. Everyone yeah. will laugh at him as they run around, you know, can completely cast and fall over everywhere like a clown. Magic that was hilarious. Sponge. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that one's reckless and one's an accident. I don't know. I, I, I think that sometimes I understand we've got to get rid of contact with the head, but, man, it, it like it, sometimes it's it just happens. It's no one's yeah. fault. It's just a collision. I know. But the thing is, you know, the game has to be seen to be taking a hard line on that sort of stuff. And so that's why I, I, it's it's impossible for Latrell to get out of being suspended for the hit on Nofaluma. Why do you hate Latrell Mitchell so much? I think that's the real thing. This is a big story. <laughs> <laughs> outraged. I'm Contra- outraged. I made one tweet about it, but I'm outraged. Yeah, it's weird. And then, <laughs> I, then I moved on with some other stats or something like that. But, you know, I was outraged. It's weird how you can tweet something like, I didn't think that was a try. And then, like, you're just watching the game, you look down at your tweets, and there's 20 replies going, you're a fucking dickhead. And it's like, I wasn't fucking dying on this hill, man. I just didn't think it was a try. Let's quickly address this. Like, Twitter has been really aggressive for a while, especially the last three or four months. Yeah. Um, and I did make a mention on there a couple of days ago saying, it's amazing how offended and triggered some people get just yeah. by me posting a few rugby league stats. It's just proof that anybody can be offended by anything. Yeah, I, I've seen footy stats. stats. Like, it's they're a... literally black and white stats. It's not like you're saying, 
I think that Team A is bad and here are the stats. You're just going like, you can be like, the, the statistics are that the Bulldogs have not won a game this year. And people will get fucking angry at it. And it's like, it's a fucking fact. <laughs> yeah, there's no commentary with it. It's just like, here's some facts. Yeah. And they just go nuts. It's, it doesn't doesn't upset me or worry me in any way whatsoever. I find it absolutely hilarious how upset some people get. One of the classic responses is, um, I'll get some people saying, you know, if I put up a stat about how bad someone's coached, like the Trent Barrett one, which I need to update now. Yeah. Um, oh, how many games have you coached? Yeah. How's that even fucking relevant? And then they, you know, they're, you know, how many games have you played? I think... You can't say that knowing that nearly every single person has been critical of something that they've never done before in their life. How many people go through their lives and never once criticise a politician? And yet none of them have been Prime Minister or a politician. Why all of a sudden you throw on that bloody, you know, absolutely moronic bullshit at me? We're all allowed to be critical of stuff. The one that every Panthers fan gets, it's like, oh, we're top of the ladder. Yeah, but you lost the grand final and you're not going to win it this year. It's like, shut up. Just shut up, you idiot. (laughs) And it's like, I posted a joke. It was a self-deprecating joke too. I can't even remember what it was. And people started sending me the punchline. And it's like, yeah, I know the punchline. I was the one that set the joke up on my behalf against me. I'd like, you don't have to give me the punchline, man. (laughs) Everything's going to be a dot to dot. Yeah, it's like, yes. Like, what am I supposed to say? Yes, you are correct. You got it. It's like, fuck. <laughs> You're supposed to reply with, you complete me. That's, that's what I'm going to do from now on. You complete me. If you get a tweet from me and it says you complete me, you, you got to know I am, I'm taking the piss out of you. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's definitely been a uh, an interesting week there. Yeah. Um, now we, we work, I was just going to bring this up. We were obviously critical of the whole two point field goal bullshit. We've now had three of them kicked in the last two weeks. Yeah. As soon as we said it will never get worked, never get used. And there was a moment during a game, I think it might've been, uh, the Sharks Knights game Mm -hmm. when the Sharks had almost got back in front, I think. And they had this amazing defensive set, and they kept the Knights inside their 10-meter area for about four tackles. Mm. And there was a part inside of me that was shitting itself going, fuck, Knights are going to kick a 20-40 here. Yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't do it. I was like, oh, thank Christ for that. <laughs> yeah, and in that South versus West Tigers game, like that two-point field goal was, it was crucial. Like it oh, was a, game. yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Um, look, I still think it's stupid. It I, stupid. You know, I find it dumb, but, you know, it, it's there now and it's being used. I don't think it adds anything to the sport at all. Um, and I, I think that when you change something fundamentally, like the number of points you get from doing things, I don't like that at all. I'll tell you why I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with the West Tigers Southgate because, you know, I'll, I went into that match thinking the Tigers are going to lose by 50. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with the result, even though they lost by four. <laughs> um, it's caused so much extra work on Rugby League Project for something that's probably <laughs> going to get rolled back in there in about eighteen months' time. 
Yeah. And yeah, it's it's the super rates of the NRL. <laughs> so much headache, so much bullshit for something so entirely pointless. Well, it's not yeah. pointless. It's worth two points, but it's stupid, stupid, stupid idea. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I, uh, Nathan Cleary kicked one, mm. and I hate it. It's dumb. It's like, oh yeah, that's worth two points. Fuck off. <laughs> it's moronic. Now, that's a nice segue for this next bit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of moronic, ARLC Commission Chairman Peter Volandi says he's one of the most emotional and memorable days in the game's history. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what day that was. Yeah, uh, mo- uh, what would it have been? I don't know. Because I was thinking, well, it's not the anniversary, and not that the, the game never celebrates this, but it's yep. not the anniversary of the the very first games that were played in Premiership history, which was the 20th of April. We're yep. two days away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that. So I don't know, given the fact that I'm not, emotional mm-hmm. and I don't know what the fuck they're talking about as far as memorable tells yeah. me as an historian that I can't have been that emotional or memorable. Yeah. I missed it. I, I don't know why it's emotional and memorable in the game's history. No, uh. I just, I couldn't think of what it is. But anyway, to declare the code is on a mission to return footy to Sydney suburban grounds. Blandy I said remember the... when we left. Do you remember when we left the suburban grounds, Andrew? Yeah, when was that? I don't know. Uh, we're still there. That's right. Um, Blandy said the code was working on a strategic plan that would ensure every Sydney club would avoid ever having to take games away from their local area and largest supporter base in the suburbs. Great news for South Sydney and the Sydney Roosters. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sydney Roosters will be playing out of that very famous venue out at uh, Bondi. Yep. That they never, ever used in their entire history. Not once. Uh, and South Sydney will be looking like they'll be returning to Redfern. I yeah, see. Redfern Oval will return for Souths. Um, yeah. I guess we're going to have to bring back a team to play at North Sydney Oval. Uh, wow, steady, steady, steady. Yeah, let's not do we're, that. We're just taking current teams back to their local venues. We're not going to bring back old teams to justify the use of old venues. I'm trying to think, it, like, it's really only the Bulldogs that have to leave Belmore. They're the only ones I can think that have really left a ground. And if you've been to Belmore and you've managed to snag one of the 10 parking spots there, you probably understand why they can't play at Belmore. Yeah. Um, South haven't played at Redfern since 1996. And they only used it a few times that year. Yeah. Uh, Three times, actually. Three times that year. And that was the first time since they officially left in 1987. So I think that might have been because of some issue with venues or something like that, that they went back there. Um, but yeah, they might have to go back there. But uh, we'll go on. He said, um, it's all about tribalism. It's all about your suburb and it's all about your team, Flandy's told, 2GB. At Henson Park, it shows why you need suburban grounds. The fans want to be able to walk to their facility. They want to be tribal, and we're not going to give up until we've got all teams playing out of suburban grounds in Sydney. What in our old team plays at Henson Park? That's like saying, oh, it's all about fucking Whale and Reserve. No, it's not. 
No one plays there. The unofficial home of the, uh, you know, they are future expansion team. Who? Our oh, team. yeah, the Mad Quackers. Yeah. I thought we'd picked somewhere worse. We, we, we probably have. I'll tell you what, I'm liking the look of, of uh, Wayland Reserve. I think that's, I think that's got, uh, it's got a bit of charm about it. It's charm. Yeah. You've stepped over drug needles too, I see. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird. Why is he talking about Henson Park in the NRL? What I don't know. And when I think of suburban grounds, I, I tend to usually think about grounds that have got a hill on it. Yeah. Um, and now he's talking about... <laughs> so he's talking about playing out of suburban grounds in Sydney. He says, I was very proud to walk into Bankwest last week, Parramatta. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's just a massive stadium. It's such a great facility. It's got the latest technology. You're close to the action. You're well looked after, but that's just one club. You need to do it for all. Yeah. We need to have all of that great facilities at Leichhardt Oval. How much money is that going to cost? Well, how much? I think it cost, was it $370 million? It was something like that for mm. Bankwest Stadium. Okay. So if we upgrade Leichhardt, Campbelltown, Cogra, Shark Park, Brookvale. Penrith. Penrith. Who else is left? Uh, Belmore. Belmore. Redfern. Redfern, yep. Um, that's it. So there's eight venues. Mm-hmm. That's only about a, a lazy $2.5 billion to give them all the same sort of venue that Parramatta's got. That sounds reasonable. I think the taxpayer will be very happy to foot the bill for that. Yeah. So that, Especially the one at Cogra because they can use that for six games a year. <laughs> well, you know. Once, once Cronulla's got their own. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, that's a great idea, isn't it? Yeah, I... And by the way, how I'd love to know how many people actually walk into games. All of them. Apparently. All of them. Like, this guy thinks that we still live in fucking, you know, when it was black and white TV and everyone would rock up to the showground to watch the match of the round. Right. Look, I'm looking forward, quite honestly, to walking to my my team's next home game. Mm-hmm. Sure, it will take me seven and a half days to do it. Mm-hmm. How many kilometres was it, by the way? Uh, eight hundred and ninety. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. yeah. It's a casual stroll. Yeah. I I might be able to find a bit of a shortcut along the way through the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, that might knock. That might make maybe 150Ks out of it, although the going might be a bit slower. Yeah, well, look, if Hannibal could do it with a bunch of elephants, you can do it. There we go. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that that stroll, and Mm -hmm. I hope it's a win because it'll make the walk back home so much more easier. Yeah. Because, you know, it will be somewhat downhill. There's a bit of uphillish, but there's be mostly downhill, I assume. Um, so the, yeah, that's that's a s- almost eighteen hundred kilometer round trip for me by foot. That seems reasonable to It'll me. It'll take me just over two weeks to complete. By the way, while uh, the head of the Australian Rugby League Commission is talking about having suburbs in Sydney catered for with brand new hundred million dollar facilities, mm-hmm. uh, just curious, like what does that do for rugby league? fucking anywhere else on the continent. I think the official viewpoint there is fuck them. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. That seems about right. 
because as as we've seen in the media over the last however long Peter Valenti's been around for, feels like a decade. Um, Sydney is the only place that matters in the entire world. He spent quite a fair bit of time completely shitting on Melbourne. Yeah, and also completely. For, and I'm not saying I'm here. I'm not here to defend Melbourne. Fuck that. But he's forgetting the fact that you know while he shits on Melbourne. He's kind of forgotten the fact that Melbourne does have a rugby league team as well. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of crapping in his own nest, so to speak, there. It's a bit stupid, if you ask me. I wish he'd stop bitching and moaning about Melbourne and, and bragging about Sydney and just went about focusing on making rugby league a game that's played outside of Sydney. Yeah, and, you know, let's uh, move the game beyond suburbs. How about that? Yeah, that'd be good. Because right now, the way he's talking about rugby league, he's sounding like someone who runs Super League. Well, yeah, he is. And, you know, the thing is, like, the game has to progress. If the game doesn't progress, it's standing still. That means it's going backwards compared to everyone else. And, you know, the the, the days have been like, oh, I want to play for my suburb. They're over, man. It's done. It's finished. It's, it's just over. Yeah, you know, exactly. you know how many of these fucking Sydney teams are barely making it. You know, Manly's dying in the ass. The Bulldogs are like, look at the Bulldogs. Just look at them. I don't even have to say anything. The the St George Illawarra Dragons they split their games between two stadiums, and you know, even then, it wasn't that long ago that they needed loans from the NRL to get by. And then they sold themselves to a private owner. Yep. Like, can we just fucking look at having good facilities? Because my club, right, it plays at Penrith. It's called the Penrith Panthers. Things just line up. But Penrith's a massive area. Like, it's not really the the suburb of Penrith. It's like the giant Penrith district sort of thing that they they represent. And oh, I want a Bankwest Stadium there. But... It's you know I can see if the the taxpayer is going to be like fuck you guys don't need a Bankwest Stadium. Of course, then the taxpayer is not going to be interested in spending another three hundred fifty million dollars on another football stadium in Sydney, mm-hmm. let alone another two and a half billion. Yeah, you know that's nuts. That um, you know you've got to look at this in the eyes of Peter Vlandis, mate. You've got to realise that Penrith is only looking after Penrith. You're sitting there thinking that they're including fucking Emu Plains and Cambridge Park and Kingswood. Mate, you are so wrong. That's not Penrith area. Penrith area is Penrith. That's it. Yeah. You know, no one from Jordan Springs is allowed. I agree. No one <laughs> no one west of the Nepean River is allowed. Fuck hey, you all. You're from Fork and Bridge? Go fuck yourself. Exactly. They're not called Fork and Bridge. They're the Penrith yeah. Panthers. That's all right. Penrith only. No one else. I don't know what they do with the West Tigers because there's no yeah. suburb called Wests. West. I don't know what they do about that. They've kind of they've kind of stuffed themselves there. Maybe, maybe Jamison Town is is covered by West Tigers. <laughs> no, that's that's. Well, it's not really. <sighs> Jamison Town is a real weird one. It's like. It's really just Penrith, but for some reason it's Jamison Town. And it's like, it's not big at all. I, I got a problem with Jamison Town. <laughs> I do. 
it's like did you, you just Penrith. Did you want to you thrash know? it out or what? You just Penrith. You're not fucking Jamison Town. It's just a park, really. Just a park. It's just That's a it. fucking park. A couple of swings and a slipper dip. Yeah, pretty much, and a skateboard, and you know, you know those those uh, concrete weird things that for the skateboarders. Oh yeah, which which skateboarders don't use, but people who like tagging, I've used it as a yeah graffiti artist. Graffiti, yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, one last thing he said here is um, you need to do it for Manly, you need to do it for the Tigers and the Bulldogs, you need to do it for the Panthers. They're the only teams he recognised in Sydney. <laughs> that's going to be one of the main objectives of the commission to get these suburban grants updated and go back to the good old days of tribalism. The good old days. Oh, I love the good old days. Remember yeah. the good old days when all the suburban teams were going so great? Yeah, I remember the good old days when Souths were at their absolute prime and drawing nearly 10,000 people to Redfern. Yeah, I, I remember the good old days when, you know, the league was dying in the ass with these suburban teams and the Australian Rugby League realised they needed to expand the competition or just die. Those yeah. are the good old days. Those are the good old days. Fantastic, those those good old days. You know, 10,000 at, at a venue was called an absolute blockbuster. Now yeah. it's called average. Yeah. And that's with COVID, still, you know, slowing things down a bit. <laughs> so, eh, oh, I fucking hate the good old days commentary. So do I. You know what's something I can tell you about one of the, the good old days? Yeah. In a... In a game I recently updated on, on uh, Rugby League Project from 1946, mm-hmm. which I would assume is back in the good old days. Maybe it's yeah. a bit before the good old days. Yeah. There was a game that had 50-odd scrums in it and 30, 30-odd penalties in it. Wow. Yeah, good old days. Yeah, that, that would have been uh, amazing to watch. Really good football. Fascinating. They would have had two-point field goals back then too. They eh? did indeed. Yeah, so they would. He's already got us on the track. Next thing you know, trials will be worth three points to try and encourage people to kick two-point field goals. Uh, you know you know the other thing? We're almost at a point where I've got unlimited tackles as well. Well, that's true. That's I mean, the set restarts have done that now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's taking us back there. Yeah, the good old days. People are eating it up. Yeah. We left that for a reason, and the game exploded in popularity. For a reason. Why are we going back to it for? It's not like any of the expansion teams have been successful, though. I mean, the likes of the Brisbane Broncos. Well, they got the Spoon last year. They're running near last. Melbourne. Well, you know, they cheated to win. Newcastle. Um, Well, they got got action in the comp after two years of existence. That was another Newcastle side, though. New Zealand. I'm doing my best here. Look, none of these. What I'm trying to say is none of these teams... None of these teams have added to the competition. Let's just go back to having a suburban Sydney comp and we just have these suburban teams and we... I, I think that there's too many people at games. I would like to go back to the days when we would get 4,000 to a game. Yeah, we, we need to really block the turnstiles mm. and make sure that no more than 8,000 get into a venue. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that that's what the good old days were. Yeah. Do you reckon Peter Volandis has ever walked to a footy game? Ever? Well, he, he allegedly walked to, to, Banks, uh, to uh, Bankwest. I dare say that was from his limousine to the yeah. uh, front entrance. Exactly. Or maybe he just got off his horse. 
Do you reckon he probably wrote Winks to the uh, to the game? Is Winks still around? Oh, I don't fucking know. I don't care about horse racing. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you'll be watching a game and you get one of these people saying, oh, he, he's, he's tried to score a try, but he was beaten like the second favourite and, you know, Canterbury. Flemington on the weekend. Yeah. And it's like, we're not all degenerate gamblers like you, buddy. <laughs> just stick to calling the football. Yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. Keep keep the football references about rugby league. Yeah, that's what we're good with. We we follow that. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting round aside from all that drama. Yeah, the, all the massive dramas and controversy. The Panthers um, had quite a much bigger fight than they expected when they took on Brisbane. They still won, mm. but um, Brisbane gave them a bit of a shake. It's the best Brisbane have looked in quite a while, to be honest. Yeah, got to give Kevin Walters some credit. He's, you know, there are a few teams this this round that their coaches have brought something extra out in them, and you have to give the coaches credit because, you know, the the Panthers side are far more talented than the Broncos, and the Broncos really took it to the Panthers and made them really work for it. I thought the Panthers were a little bit flat. Um, you know, they. I was going to say they can't all be winners, but, you know, they can, actually. It's really cool. Except in the grand final. <laughs> I just had to put a bit of rage in there, you know, yeah. keep with the theme. I oh, know. I get it. I heard you. Um, I'll tell you what, though. The Broncos used quite a, quite a much bigger bench than what Penrith did in that game. Yeah. And I think Kevin Mottis has finally started to figure out how long his big man can last for in one stint. Yeah. Because um, yeah. his, his usage of Matt Lodge and Payne Haas in that game, he made sure they weren't absolutely busted before it brought them off. Yeah, it and was that, much that helped, better. Yeah, it helped them an awful lot in the back end of the game. Um, and they stayed within reach for, you know, almost the entirety of the game. I've got to say, though, Crichton doesn't look too comfortable fullback yet. No, he doesn't. He looks... Um... Well, first of all, he doesn't have the urgency that a fullback has to have. Mm. He he gets found about five metres out of position when a team goes cross field, which is, that's an eternity. That's too long. Um, Under the high ball, he's worrying. And in attack, he he just doesn't have it as a fullback. Like as a centre, he's fine. You watch him and you're like, man, get it, get it to Crichton, get it to Crichton. But as a fullback, it's... He just, you want to shake him and say, dude, wake up. Like, this isn't what we need from you. We need you to be really switched on for 80 minutes, and he hasn't got that. Um, and that's a worry. I never thought I'd want Edwards back. I know that Nadine feels the same. We sort of hate ourselves for wanting Edwards to be back as soon as possible. But, yeah, Crichton just, I wonder how, um, what's his name on the wing? Uh, yeah, I was, Staines. I was, well, I was going to say, given... How strong Brian to- oh, has been running in the, of late. I mean, he's been making huge meters, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good under the high ball. I wouldn't mind seeing Brian at the uh, at fullback. Put Crichton yeah. back at centre and Momorowski on the wing. Yeah, I don't I, think I, it would unbalance too much because my biggest fear, I think, at the moment is Crichton starts to lose confidence in his game. Yes, and I think that's a big worry for the the Panthers' attack. And so I, I think the experiment of him at fullback kind of needs to stop. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So I, I would try Staines at fullback. 
Um, you know who who Brian T- O reminds me of? Is that? He reminds me of a stronger version of Michael Hancock. Yeah. With yeah, with the you know with the, how Michael Hancock he never gave up in a tackle until it, that tackle was finished. He reminds me of of that. So I think that he's like Michael Hancock. Ock. Fair enough. I, the only player I've ever known that was like Michael Hancock was probably Paul Gallimore. I just, I say that in the sense that they both had that low center of gravity and that mm. immense leg drive. Yeah. And so they were just so hard to get to the ground. Yeah. When you finally got them there, it was so hard to keep them down and slow the play the ball down because they were just so strong in the legs and the hips. They'd just get back up and have a quick play the ball anyway. Yeah. So that's what made those two guys pretty um pretty tough to defend. Yeah. yeah Except that was... Michael Hancock was natural. Well, yeah. All three knees. <laughs> um, we move on to the – we're just going to have a quick recap here. Um. Melbourne, far too good for the Roosters. Yeah, that was an interesting game, hey? Yeah. That was a really interesting game. I think the Roosters, poor old Roosters, they've had a couple of games where they just keep on getting injuries on top of injuries on top of injuries. Um, and it's it like it's just taken its toll. Like, I can't fault that they're, you know, they're putting in and all that, but it's just at some point it becomes too much. And, I've got to say, I think their season is pretty much done already just on the basis that they've got too many injured players. I can't think of a team that's ever lost both halves and two hookers before round six. Yeah. Because they're now on their third their third hooker for the season. Yeah. And an entirely different that... halves combination that they never would have used for the start of the year. Yeah. Ex- I never would have even dreamt that no. that's who they would play. Um, Sam Walker. He's a handy little player. Uh, mm. He's Ben Walker's son. And I, I always like the players that their their fathers played first grade because they've been in this environment their whole life. Same thing with Ivan Cleary and Nathan Cleary. Um, Mitchell Pierce. Hey? Mitchell Pierce. Yeah, Mitchell Pierce. Look, same sort of thing. They, they've been there. They've, ex- they've been in those big game experiences. They've seen what it's like to... You know, they've been in the dress and sheds their whole life. That Nothing sort of overawes them. Um, they've seen it all before sort of thing. And there's something to be said about that. And you find that their level of toughness is like, it, it's really, really high. Like it's it's at a different level than most players. And so, and seeing Sam Walker, like he, he doesn't look like the sort of dude that should be up to playing first grade. He looks very lean. He's, he looks like an under 20s player, to be honest with you. But he goes out there, gets stuck in. He's he's very handy player. I think he he might be the player that they can actually groom for the future at the Roosters. And it's funny that those plays sort of come around when you least expect it sometimes. And I think that he's the one that they need to stick with him um, and, and see how he goes for the rest of the year. They haven't really got too much of a choice because of all of their injuries, but I've been really impressed by him. But, yeah, that game against the the Storm, I think that the Storm, the thing that come out of it for the Storm for me is it, they've got to go with Harry Grant. They've got to start Harry Grant, and they've got to make that commitment to him. And it's going to be awkward, but it's time. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, 
he's just too good to be an interchange player. You need him on the field for 80 minutes. We saw yeah, that they, last year. Yeah, and look, they the storm when he was out there looked a million dollars. Yeah. And I just, I'm watching this team and I'm thinking, I need to set, that if they want to really set up for the future, Pappenhausen, he's all set. They've got Harry Grant there at hooker. He's all set. Um, Munster, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up going to that second Brisbane team, but make it as difficult as possible for him to go to that second Brisbane team. You know, say to him, look, dude, you're really going to leave the storm and this amazing situation. Um, They've got to get that all set up and ready because they could be a great team for another. As I was saying on Twitter, you know, as soon as Harry Grant retires, the storm is stuffed. And, you know, how many years have we got of Harry Grant left? Plenty. Exactly. Um, Cronulla and the Knights. Interesting game, that, because the Knights look to be in full control for about mm-hmm. 50 minutes or so. And the Sharks put on a bunch of tries in short time to get back in front, and I think the Knights scored one at the end. Yeah. Um, the Sharks, I they were in a difficult... They are in a weird position, I think, coming in this match, because, you know, John Morris had been, you know ditched during the week mm-hmm. so they were either going to go one or two ways and that was they're either going to turn up and put on a big performance or they're going to play like crap and mm-hmm. i think i don't think the players are going to drop their shit and, and the season's going to be over because of this because there's nearly a dozen players at that club who are playing for a contract next year yeah so they can't afford to play like shit because their career's hanging on it and that's the one thing that probably works in the sharks favor for ditching Morris when they did. They know they've got these players back into a corner. You know, if you play like shit, you're not going to get a contract. And if you do, you're not going to get paid as much as you think you would. Yeah, exactly. The one player they need to lock up who's off contract is William Kennedy. Yeah, he's he's playing great footy. Yeah, he's Um, come along brilliantly so far this year. Yeah, like even just from round one, he's got so much more confident. Uh, Look, the the Newcastle Knights really badly needed that win because they've been in a bad place for a few weeks now. And, you know, they kind of dragged it out at the end, which was good. Um, I, w- I was a little bit shocked that they got back into the match, actually. It looked like the, the Sharks were just going to run, run over the top of them. But, you know, they pulled it out. And they've got a lot of injuries themselves, the Knights. It's weird how yeah. some teams just get smashed by injuries from time to time. The Knights... Even the Sharks, I think the Sharks have got a few centres out as well and and a few wingers. Yeah. It's so So, much so that, you know, Connor Tracy, who's a a half, was playing on the wing in this game. Yeah, uh, it sucks when your team falls apart so early in the season because of injuries. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it was a a pretty – it was a much-needed win for Newcastle. And their season is at a really interesting point because – you feel like if they get things back on track and they get a couple of players back, they'll be a finals team, like seventh and eighth. That's what they've got to be aiming for. But if it goes really, really bad, I could see them down the bottom of the ladder. And then you've got to start looking at everything because it's not like they haven't spent money. It's not like they haven't re-signed players and tried to make it all work again. And it actually made me think about... When you've got a, in all sorts of sport teams, when you've got a sports team that absolutely tanks, that they're not just poor personnel wise, but they're beyond that. 
how difficult it is to come back from that because you're still going to have remnants of those games where you've given up and where you got thrashed week after week. That's still part of the club's DNA. And to get that out of your system is really difficult. You might have one bad season, but when you've had it season after season of being terrible, to come back from that, it's it's almost like you've got to churn through a couple of generations of players before you really get it out of your system. And I feel like we're seeing a little bit from that of that from the Knights. I feel like we're seeing it from the Bulldogs right now. And I'm seeing it in other sporting teams. It, like there's a bunch of NBA teams who they've changed their playing staff. They've, you know, they've got, you know, high draft picks and stuff, but because they've lost for so long, you just can't get that out of your system that easily. It's not just a matter of replacing everyone. It's got to be more than that. And it's really interesting that you have those hangovers. And Newcastle, I think, they're still affected by the hangovers of still being a terrible team for so long. Yeah, it's possible. There's a fair bit of, um, merit to all of that. I think the Sharks too. They're, you know, I think all they did is they they showed that the tumultuous week played you know played a bit of a role on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they they played pretty well. They just considered a try, uh, you know, about five minutes from full time, which which sunk them. So they were right in it. It's not like they dropped their bundle or anything like that. No, no. It's um, I I don't think they're Done and dusted. I mean, next week they play the Bulldogs. So I think that'll be a test. If if they lose to the Bulldogs next week, they're more going, you know what, they've dropped their shit. But they should come out and win that one comfortably. They should smash them, yeah. Um, Canberra suffered their second loss in successive weeks to a top eight side by 20 points. They lost last week to to Penrith 30-10. They lost this week 35-10 to Parramatta. Yeah, Canberra is done. I'm calling it. You know, I, I think the thing that for me in this one, mm-hmm. Josh Hodgson, Terrible. he has he has got so much slower in the last month. Uh, his leg speed has just dropped off. I don't know what's going on. He's got to be carrying an injury because they've they've got no speed out of dummy half. Yeah, and when uh, when Starling comes on, they're a different side. Yeah, so much they're- snappier. Yeah, they're they're worrying, but I think there's a few things going on at Canberra. I think, you know, the rule changes don't help them because they've got a big pack. Uh, they 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 get nothing out of Hodgson out of dummy half. That's a problem. Whiten's form is terrible. Um, you know, Williams as a halfback, it's just not it's not working. I'm sorry. Like I've we've been talking about this for a long time. I know you rate him higher than I do, but it's just not happening. And then you've got one of their centres who they love, who can't play defence to save his life and never has been able to. And it's like, how long are you going to love these players that are, are fucking bad for the club? Yeah, it's... Yeah. Loyalty does that, I guess. As we've discussed with the West Tigers. Yeah. And Ber- let's go there now. Um, Tigers lost to South in Golden Point 18-14 to because the Tigers always lose in Golden Point. Um <laughs> Look, I'm not going to rubbish the club too much on this one because their defence was immensely better than it was for the last 15 games. Mm-hmm. It's, this is the first time since round 10 last year where they beat Brisbane 48-0 that the Tigers have managed to keep their opposition team under 20. 
Jesus. Um, the problem with the Tigers, and it's the only big issue that I'm seeing, is there's fuck all teamwork in that side for the majority of the game. You see bunches of guys just doing their own thing half the time. There was a try that South very nearly scored through Alex Johnson, and it highlighted this so well because the West Tigers line moved up, as it should do, mm-hmm. but James Roberts was two and a half steps behind for some reason in moving up. But because he's fast, he quickly run back up in line. But at the same time that that was taking place, uh, Talao on his wing saw that he had moved up. So Talao came up and in to try and cover the opposition centre, which meant that when the ball finally got out there, the centre had two players on him and the winger was unmarked. Mm-hmm. But I think the final pass was ruled forward, so it got disallowed. But it's just little things like that where the players either side of Robert should have said, Oi, move up quicker, or, you know, come with us, come with us. Or they should have stayed in line with him so that they still stayed manned up. But instead the winger made that decision to come up and in and it just created an overlap. And the West Tigers created that overlap against themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were all numbered up properly. There was no extra man. They gave them that extra man. And it's dumb little things like that, where there's no communication and no one's working with one another. That's a huge problem. The other thing right now too, um, James Roberts defense, nearly every aspect of it is Mm -hmm. complete dog shit. Mm-hmm. He needs to be moved to the wing. Simple yeah. as that. If he's going to be in that side, he needs to be on the wing where he's just got a sideline on one side that's going to do half the work for him. <laughs> and on the other side, if he can't make a tackle, he's pushing people back infield to where the, all the other defenders are. Because right now he is he's not sticking to tackles. He's very grabby. Mm-hmm. He's not using his shoulders when he tackles much. His reads are horrible at times. And... I think teams are starting. I mean, part of part of the Tigers' bad form is because teams are targeting that. They see that. They run at him. Yeah, yeah. And he gets. He's not afraid of the contact. His technique is poor. His reads are poor, and he's becoming hesitant because of it. He's like and a rich man's Jared Crocker. He he probably is. <laughs> he's he's a fast Jared Crocker. That's pretty much it. He can't kick goals. Um, so I don't know. The Tigers have got this issue with their back line at the moment. They've bought in these players. One of them can't can't defend, and the other one can't play first grade because he's he can't help but try and look after his little brother. You know, the crazy thing, and I didn't see the first half. I, I saw bits and pieces. Second half, I saw everything. Crazy thing from, for me was that Mbai was doing a better job at guiding the team around the field than Brooks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which was, to me, uh, that's, like, horrifying. No, and, well, see, it's what I was saying, though, before, is the fact that Brooks doesn't know how to run a side. Mm. You know, you could put you could put Bryce Gibbs at, at, at halfback. He'd have more of an idea because he at least tells people what to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how poor Brooks is. Yeah, it's shocking. It's, and the thing is, too, like, this is his... This is really his first year where it's like, Luke Brooks, this is your team. And there, there's no backup. No one's coming to save you. And it has been such an abject failure on his behalf that um, I, I just, I'm really shocked by how bad he's been. And like they, they really tried hard against Souths. 
And it was really, I mean, there was a, a play where in defense, Dewey ran up and just left this big gap for Seth yeah. to run through and score. And really, that was the game. Like, yeah, that was that the was, difference. That was atrocious. He, he even knew when he ran out of the line that he went too far. And that was, yeah. they walked through that gap so easily. It was, uh, it was really, really bad. And, but they tried their asses off. They did their best. And the effort was there, and they, they pushed South really, really close. But, you know, at least the effort's there now. Like, you you, you can cop a loss when the effort's there. It's when you get those give-up games that they just, you know... they Switch off. Yeah, it, that's when you can't cop it. Yeah. The thing that was noticeable, too, in the second half of that game was Brooks was feeding the ball to Dewey whenever the Tigers were in an attacking situation. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't even trying to set things up. He just went, you have it. Yeah. And so he's just a distributor. And I want more from Brooks if he's going to be wearing the seven on his back than that. Like, if we can't rely yeah. on him to try and create something close to the line, and he's not like he's a poor creator. He's he's had plenty of tri-assists every year, even when the Tigers have been poor, or he's been in poor form. Tri-assists have never been something that he struggled to achieve. And this game, he wasn't trying that much at all to, to help the team get points. He was just dishing it off to Dewey. And, yeah, it wasn't that big an issue because Dewey was quite creative and he was, you know, he got a, a few um, a few repeat sets for the Tigers. His kicking, short kicking game was pretty good, so it was it was effective enough, but he was always parked out on the right-hand side. But, um, there, but there is a point where, like, look, if I was Mark Maguire this week, I'd sit Brooks down and say, dude, I'm really considering dropping you because well, you're just not doing your job. I think that has to happen. There's a young bloke playing reserve guard at the moment who's been in good form. Um, I'd be bringing him in for a game. We, you know, we brought in Simpkin for this game to replace Little, and Little hadn't been playing poorly. No. But Simpkin just, he's just a little bit sharper. Mm-hmm. The pass are a little bit quicker, and it just meant that the Tigers were able to get a little bit more momentum. It's enough to keep them in the game the whole time. Um he did a mountain of defence. He had over 50 tackles in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the look of him. I mean, I know it's only one game, and I'd like to see him play a few more, but the the first game, I think that was pretty impressive what he put in. I'd like to see more of him there. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't be su- surprised if a few more changes are made. Uh, Madge keeps turning players from right side to left side and back again every week these days. So I don't know what he's working on there. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens, though. The Tigers have got uh, Manly next week. So that's an interesting one. That's that's a very winnable game. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Manly, they completely dicked the Titans 36-0. Yeah, I didn't see this game. It uh, It was one of those ones where... I, I heard the score after the, just after the match, and I was like, what the hell happened? I was filthy because I tipped the Titans, uh, so I can't say anything about this match because I didn't say it. <laughs> Basically, Tom Dubovic came back. Yeah. It's funny how... Look, it's not all down to him, but you can. Just, it's funny how when you've got your, your first-string spine intact and on the field how much better everything else starts to click into place and things start to work because everything's designed to work around those four players. Mm -hmm. And Foran looked better because of it. uh, Cherry Evans looked better because of it. 
um, everything just seemed to click a little bit better. And it's just that little bit better enough to give them a bit of momentum and get them in front. And the Titans had that element of panic that they've never lost when they start trailing and they go, right, we need to throw the ball around and score points. And that came back into their game. And I think that's the one aspect of what they did that would frustrate Holbrook more than anything else is the fact that they were just, they re, uh, reverted back to a bad concept. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't see too much of it, but I saw that much to know that Manly, I don't know, they might be, they might be a more competitive outfit if they can keep Tom on the field. And that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. one game so far this year, um, you know, we'll see how many he lasts for. Yeah. Uh, last two games, Warriors beat the Dragons 20-14. to 14. Now, I didn't see that one either. That was basically another game where I heard the result afterwards, and I was a little bit shocked because I was very impressed by the Dragons last week against the Eels. But, you know, the Warriors, they're, they're not a bad team this year. Like, there's plenty of seasons where you've thought to yourself, they're better than their results are showing. I think this is the first season where it's like, yeah, you know what? They're not bad. Like, they could, if they keep this up for the rest of the season, they'll make the finals. Yeah, they played with pretty starch in this game. That was the main thing. Mm. Um, and you can tell that they, they'd watched the way the Dragons played the week before against Parramatta and went, right, we need to lift with this game because that's how good these guys are. And at the same time, the Dragons would have looked at how the Warriors played against Manly and lost and gone, oh, we don't need to play as hard against them as we did against Parramatta last week. So they knocked their performance down just a smidge as the Warriors went up a bit, and it was just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say the Dragons were poor, but there was very little creativity coming out of their halves for this entire game. Clune wasn't bad, um, but pretty much all of their attacking smart came from Dufty at fullback. Yeah. And when you're, when you're attacking force is three passes wide of the ruck. It's, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, pretty much all the forwards in this game played pretty well. It was played pretty fast. Everyone was running hard for most of the game, which is bloody impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a pretty good game, to be uh, to be honest, all up. But, uh, yeah, the Warriors deserved that win. There was nothing controversial about that one, although I'm sure the media would say otherwise. Yeah, there was probably something that they, yeah. you know, oh, my God. Yeah. And the last game was Cowboys beat the Bulldogs 30-18. to 18. At one point, the Cowboys were up comfortably here and the Bulldogs scored a few quick tries and almost made a game out of it. And then Hetherington with his uh, heels hoist. Yeah, threw his arm out. Almost took uh, Valentine Holmes' head off. It was a pretty straightforward send-off. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. After he'd been sent off, the, the Bulldogs started playing aggressively for about a minute and a half, and that was the best minute and a half of their season. Um, but at one point, they managed to get like a three-man overlap on the Cowboys, and it's like, how is that even possible? <laughs> and they ended up stuffing it up, of course, but it was like I was laughing my head off. I was, it was just the funniest thing I've ever seen. But... Um, yeah, look, it, it was another one of those games for the Bulldogs. Just not good enough. The Cowboys team hasn't got much talent in it at the moment, but they just they played hard footy and they got away with a really good win. 
um, which is great. Then now they've got two wins on the board this season, which is at one point you would have been flat out thinking they'd win any games at all. So that's another one of those games where like the coaches lifted the club from a real bad position. And that, so that was good to see. But, um, you know, the Bulldogs, I mean, it's just not good. Well, one thing I saw that was interesting on one of the, I think it might have been Fox Sports, I was saying um, Todd Payton's side won, but he's carrying on like they lost. And I went, you know what? That's a good thing. Yeah. Because he expects better and he wants more. And he's been like that since he got there. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what that Cowboys side needed. I'll tell you what else was interesting about this game is Cohen Hess played in the middle. He's played as a front rower. Mm-hmm. and he wasn't as bad as he had been on the edge because he had to work. Yeah, he was forced to. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, which obviously was talking about was Tomalolo was ruled out of this game because he broke his other hand. And, that, you know, something in my head says, hmm, I'm suspicious now. <laughs> yeah. I... I mean, first of all, this dude is built like a brick shit house. Like, and what's he breaking his hand on? Can I don't we get know. Whatever he's breaking his hands on. Peyton said it was exactly the same bone, but in the other hand. And I went, "This sounds suspicious." Yeah, doesn't fit. <laughs> I just is he, like, is he when... doing boxing drills at work, but at, at training, but instead of using boxing gloves, they've just got frying pans tied to his hands. And he's got to punch brick walls. Oh, he's broken his other hand. Bugger. Look, I just go back to when Fox Sports interviewed him a couple of weeks ago about when he broke his first hand. And he was just so happy. He didn't look like a dude that was in a bad place or was upset about it. He just looked really, really happy. Um, it does. It, it feels a little bit... It feels a bit... Um, listen, we're going to say you broke your hand. Don't tell anyone. We're just going to say you broke your hand. Have a rest. Yeah, I think that I think too because of that that interview he had, the whole narrative about there being some sort of dissent between him and Peyton got dropped immediately because we've heard nothing about it since then. Yeah, yeah. He was trying he... to drum up a story, and then all of a sudden they've gone, "Oh, we we can't we can't possibly run it like this when he's absolutely fine with everything that went on and he's happy." Yeah, <laughs> I, I really do. I think that. I feel like, and I think we said this, oh, I said this a couple of episodes ago where it's Todd Payton, I feel like, sat him down and said, listen, I'm going to blow you up in the media. Are you all right with that? Because I'm trying to get something out of these guys around you because they're giving us nothing. And it's like, yeah, no worries. And they're like, what are you doing the next few weeks? Do you want some weeks off? We're going to break your hand, all right? Your hand's going to be broken and you can have a few weeks off. And then they've probably gone to him this week and said, do you want to play this week? And he's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And it's only the Bulldogs. We reckon we can beat them without you. Listen, we're going to say you broke out of the hand. Have another few weeks off. <laughs> go up to Hamilton Island or something. Because it's in Tumalolo's best interest that everybody else in that forward pack starts pulling their fucking weight because then he doesn't have to do as much and it will make him more effective when he gets on the field. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't think he's going to be that opposed to Peyton putting the boot up everybody else on that side. Yeah, um, and like he can still play, you know, twenty something, twenty games or something like that. And you know, they're they're not going to make the finals this year. They know that. Why would? And they've talked about it openly. They don't want to, 
you know, run him into the ground. They want him to play a very long career at the Cowboys. They want him to play beyond this contract, which still has years to run. Yep. And I think that, you know, they're being smart about it. I really do. No, I think so. I think they are too. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the uh, round wrap-up that we had no intention of doing. No. You know, one thing that came out of this round that I've seen way too much of, and it was in the Canberra game, and look, I can't remember the Canberra player it was, but he went up for a kick, he come down, and he landed on Sevo's knee, and he was he knocked him senseless. Um, he's lying on the ground for about a minute before he got up. He's standing in front of his own trainer, holding his head as the trainer is telling him to stand on one leg and asking him questions. He's literally holding his head. The trainer gave the green light for him to get back into the line. And it was clear he had to come off for a HIA. Now, thankfully, they got him off about 30 seconds later. But we're seeing too many times where trainers are given the green light for a player to get back in the line. And then that player is being taken from the field by an NRL official who said, no, he's got to come off for a HIA. There's something's got to be done about it because the players need to be protected from themselves. They're, when they're getting these head knocks, they're not in the right position to be asking them their opinion. You know, are, are you all right? Like, they've just been knocked senseless. And at first I thought he'd come and he'd come down and hit the ground. And then when I saw he'd hit uh, Sevo's knee with his head and then hit the ground, I think to myself, I would rather fall into planet Earth head first than Sevo's knee. And he didn't come back on the field. Like, he was ruled out for the rest of the game there's something needs to be done about it because it is happening way too many times that players are being left on the field for way too long. And I don't know whether the trainers are not really in a position to know if a player should come off the field or not, whether it's the heat of battle, whether the the markers that or the things they get in place to do, the players even in a knocked out state are able to stand on one leg and things like that. But whatever's happening is not working and something's got to be done about it because we're going to say, you know, we've got to look after the players better than that. It's just not good enough. No, it makes you wonder whether if if we've seen a player's taken a head knock, we should just be taking them straight off the field for HIA and assess them off the field. Mm. So that's not done in a hurried manner. Yep. And that way it gets done properly, assessed properly. And you move on from there. And that way, you don't have to hold the game up either. Just bring them off, put another player on. It's a free swap. If the player is then ruled okay, then the swap, you know, the interchange gets added on. If not, you know, doesn't get added on. It's fine. You carry on. That's kind of the way it works. Um, That's the problem we're always going to get, though, is that trainers are going to be inclined to try and assess as quickly as possible whether they, you know, if there's any way they can keep the player on the field. Mm-hmm. That's what the problem is. And so I think if we're going to be smart about HIAs, if someone's taken a head knock of any manner and they're looking sluggish, then take them straight off the field and get them assessed. Simple as that. That way we can assess them in a safe environment and we can do it at the right speed and not in a hurried manner where mistakes can happen and it gets done properly. That's mm-hmm. just a simple way to look at this thing. You know, speaking of concussions, there was actually an article out uh, during the week 
from our good mate, Dr. Alan Pierce. Mm-hmm. And he had a conclusion in there which suggested that if a player has been found to have suffered concussion, they should sit out for four weeks, close to a month, yeah, in order to be fully... Um, or as fully possible recovered from the uh, from the concussion before they go back to any sort of physical contact training and playing. I think that's a very very good idea, and it's one that's not going to impact rugby league too heavily. And before anyone sort of complains, oh, but we're going to leave lose our stars for you know four weeks if they get a head knock. And going, yeah, but you know what? You'll be bringing in new ones to cover for them. Yeah, and I think that the thing that has really got me this year is like we've seen players get knocked senseless and then they're right to go next week. Now, not everyone's different. Every Like, not everyone's the same. Everyone's different is what I meant to say. And, you know, sometimes you'll see a player take a blow. To, it's like when you see a head clash. Sometimes you'll see two players head clash. One of them is out cold. The other one's like just gets up and gets back into the line like nothing happened. Mm. Um you know, sometimes you'll see a player get knocked out and they're really, really sick. You know, they, they've got uh, problems that they throw up a lot and they have light sensitivity and things like that. Other players, they get over it quicker. But I, I just think when a player has copped a really bad head knock and you see them named the next week, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, I do think that maybe there's a... And look, I don't know what the marker should be, but I think that there should be some level i don't know if there's levels of concussion but i just feel as though there are some head knocks we've seen where players needed a couple of extra weeks on the sideline and they're not being given that and that worries me we kind of saw it with two sharks players wade graham and josh dugan Mm -hmm. i think graham had two head knocks in three weeks and dugan had you know one in two successive weeks each Mm-hmm. Um, and they both missed this week's game because the you know the side just went you know what that's a few too many, and yeah they shouldn't have come back so soon after the first one, because as we've found with some of these players if they start having a few head knocks that causes them to miss a game because of concussion, if they have a few of those in the space of a month or even two months, they start to become a little bit more regular. Yeah, it's like a boxer getting a glass jaw after mm-hmm. a, a bunch of knockouts, you know, and and you see it. And uh, Jake Friend was a really good example of that. Like, so was Boyd Cordner. Like, Boyd yeah. Cordner, these last couple of, of concussions he's got have been, and I don't, soft is the wrong word, but for a player that has been through as much as he has, when you see him go into a tackle and he's, it's, it looks like his jaw gets grazed and he's out, yeah, it, you know that's what you're looking at. Is like, wow, you know, this isn't what he used to be. This isn't the level of abuse he used to take, and it's a worry. And we've got to avoid it getting to that point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think the word is, uh, you know, he's been hit with a few basically innocuous sort of hits. They're not illegal. They're not even necessarily high. I think one of them he just got put on his back mm. and not slammed hard, just pushed backwards. Yeah. The back of his head just bounced off the ground where 99.9% of players would just get up and play the ball and be fine. And he had to go and have a HIA and he failed it. Yeah. Yeah. His body and his mentality when it comes to playing the game certainly isn't soft. No. No. Something, because he's so many concussions, it's like his head cannot take 
that sort of physical impact anymore. So yeah. he's either got to change the way he plays or retire. And I strongly suggest for his own benefit for the rest of his life that he can strongly considers the retirement part. Yeah. Because, mate, you know, you're in your 30s. You've got at least 50 years of existence left. Yeah. And, and especially for players, and look, it's, it's, it's the wrong thing to say, but when you're a player that has achieved as many things as Boyd Cordner has. It's not like he should be sitting there saying, man, I had so much more to do in my career that I never got to. It's like, no, he actually did things that most players haven't done in their careers. Um, yeah. You know, so just be thankful for what you get, did get to do. But yeah, that it's just one of those things that stood out for me this weekend and has a little bit during the year. But I think seeing that Canberra player holding his head while He's balancing on one leg, and it's like but this dude obviously has to leave the field, and they yeah. tr- trotted him back into the line. I found it, I found it really bad. Yeah, that was that was not good. Um, anything else we need to talk about? Well, look, we've got about twenty-seven other emails to go through. I reckon we hold them back for the next episode. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's just give this. Uh... Let's give this beast a plug, shall we? Yeah. You can you can find us on the socials at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Uh, we're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, MySpace. Yep, MySpace. Anything else? Uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that's everything. That's it. Are we um, given uh, Are we given a D now? Yeah, we'll give her the keys to the car. Hey, we'll give her the keys. Yeah, yeah. Let's let let's let Nadine run the Instagram account. So, if you see anything on the Instagram account that's offensive, that's uh, not us. Hands in the air. We don't do offensive. No. In fact, anything you see on my Twitter account is Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> let's just wash our hands of that straight away. <laughs> that's good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, I was going to say, if you're seeing anything on our Instagram account, that's because Nadine's doing it because I've not been fucking doing any shit. <laughs> terrible. The funny thing is, we'll sit here and we'll be like, you know what? Put that on the Instagram account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we don't do it. Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow comes on and go, I should, nah, I can't be fucked. <laughs> I've never even logged into the Instagram account. I don't know. I don't know. the. I know you've got the password. I'm sure you've given it to me at one point. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what it's. Don't know. It's, it's on my phone. I link between my personal one, which I never use, and that one, which I never use, and I just flick a button to switch between the two, so I don't know what the password is. Yeah, see, I haven't got an Instagram account at all. Oh, mate, so... you're missing out. I'm you've really got to get on the gram, man. Every it's, where all, time... it's where all the young, hip people are. The gram. Isn't that how how you buy coffee on the Gold Coast? By the gram. <laughs> um, the... You know what? I, I ran Instagram counts once upon a time, and it was just fucking full blown narcissism. Everyone's saying, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" Oh, it's not my sort of thing. Oh yeah, it's not like that now. It's it's immensely worse. Oh really? Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. Now you get things like a, a bunch of scantily clad women on there saying, "So where do you like to go for your holidays?" Like, Wait. that's what they want people to talk about instead of the fact that they're sitting there wearing, you know, a pair of shoelaces for a bikini. Wait a minute, where do I sign up for this? <laughs> Hang on. Because <laughs> I remember great. I used to go on there, okay, when it, ages ago. And yeah. when you went to the search search button, yeah, it kind of just showed you 
um, highlights from a lot of accounts that either the ones you're following or ones like the one you're following. Yeah. Now all of a sudden it just shows you all the stuff that's trending. And because there's a lot of, um, you know, female models and stuff like that on there yes. and a lot of pervy blokes looking for shit, they're just all that's these, all, comes up. all these models have got all these likes and stuff from all these blokes thinking they're going to get their ending. <laughs> no, yeah. mate, it don't work that way. Yeah. So I click the search button and go, oh, it's this again. I don't fucking log out. I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> I'll have an account within the next 24 hours. It's probably, already, logged, it's probably already clicked in. You've got three <laughs> already now. Yeah. Got There'll be no more podcasts for the next week. Week. You'll be stuck on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um,. So yeah, that's uh, that's where we are on the on the socials. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is there? I know. Mm-hmm. You should pe- people. You should all get out there and support one of the longest running independent rugby content creators there is out there, and that's League Freak. And you go to his Patreon, which is patreon.com slash League Freak, and you can give him a few dollars over there, and you might even get a bit of merch depending on how much you throw into the kitty. Yeah. More, more tears than West Tigers fans, we say. Um, you can get, there's a mug level, there's t-shirt level, there's a sticker level, and then there's like a couple levels below that. But you just, you know, if you feel like putting a bit of money in, and we all know what it goes to. But that, no, that sounds too open-ended with you. Mm. Lot. I know what you lot are like. It goes towards the website costs, website address, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it literally just goes towards that. It's really, really helpful. So uh, if you want to get involved, get involved. And if you want to help the digitization of rugby league history, you go to patreon.com slash rlproject. It's the place to go to help build the greatest database of rugby league statistics that has ever been put together in one place. And you know what? We all use it. We It's all free. There's no walls, there's no paywalls and everything. You go to rugbyleagueproject.org. You can put in any player's name, any club, doesn't matter. You'll get the statistics you're after. And that's because of the work that Andrew Ferguson does. That's brilliant. Mm. And better still, you just go over there and put in whatever you want. We don't. I don't have tiers because I'm too stupid to figure out how to set them up. So you just put in whatever you feel comfortable with. $50,000? Would be very helpful. Yeah. That'd be fine. A hundred million dollars, very helpful. I'd take it. Yeah. Um one dollar. Very helpful. Absolutely. It's yeah, all accepted. Yeah, yeah. So it's so and that's really helpful. Andrew does a really great job. We all know that. He gives the statistics out for free. He's not hoarding them. He's not keeping them to himself. I share. I'm a sharing kind of human. Exactly. Um I'd just like to start something entirely unrelated to all of what we've discussed today. Yeah. I've just looked at Twitter and looking in the section that's trending. Yeah. And there's a hashtag for a uh, A-League soccer game. Yeah. And it pretty much looks like it says Perth Well. <laughs> Is it Perth Wellington? Perth v. Wellington, but it's P-E-R-V-W-E-L. Nice. <laughs> sometimes you look at that, the trending topics on Twitter and you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I saw one, I think it was the US where it was national horn day <laughs> and people were like 
talking about their horns and stuff like that. It's very strange. The other thing that's interesting is they've got a um, MAFB reunion, which I think is, what is that? Married at first something? Mar- is it? MAFB reunion? I don't know what the B would be. No idea. The odd thing for me is um, it's promoted by Uncle Toby's. <laughs> oh, really? Got me beat. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've got a, uh, a rather morbid sort of question to ask you about the stuff that's trending. Yeah. In the past, whenever you saw someone's name on there, did you merely go, oh, shit, did they die? Yes. I, you know what? <laughs> There's been a couple of them recently. Um, oh, who, who was that? There was someone, there was Jackie Chan not long ago. And it was his birthday. It's a lot of birthdays. Yeah. Like Twitter's celebrating a lot of birthdays recently. And so there's been a couple of celebrities where I've gone and had a quick look at the trend of topics and I've I've seen the name and I've been like, oh, no, 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 that's terrible. And gone on and been like, oh, thank goodness. They're all right. They're like just 67 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He, he just tweeted the fact that he had some Uncle Toby's for breakfast. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's weird because... Uh, who was the Jeff Goldblum? Remember yeah, he used yeah. to trend all the time and it was always false? Yeah, he dies every year. Yeah, yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. He'll die one day. People won't believe it. And he'll be trending and people go, oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, it's it's really strange. But, yeah, when you see a, a trending name and you're like, oh, no, and then you go to it and... You know, they've got a movie coming out, or it's just like people are appreciating their their body work and or they've it's like, oh, man, thank God. Hey? Or they've said something racist. Yeah, some, sometimes that happens. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> there we go. There's a bit of unrelated chat for you. Just yeah. to uh, take you out with. Yeah. All right, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.